Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Evan, aka Swim Out Streets. Cause you know, if you see me at the resort, I got the room with the pool. Don't, don't, don't play with me. All right, you already know what time it is. And I appreciate y'all coming back and checking out another episode of One Hundred Night Five Towns Podcast. So, I just got back from Mexico. Um, shout out to the fun side of the border, and uh, it was lit. It was lit. It was. It was quite the experience. Got down there. Spent about a week in Mexico. Flew into Cancun, you know, had the resort down uh, down there. Um, it was real cool, man, real cool. This place called Unico 2087. No kids allowed, so, you know, I, that's already off to a good start. The food was excellent, you know, nice rooms, facing the water, swim out pools, nice nice bartenders, you know, the, the, the aesthetic was right. Everything down to the, the smell of the room. It's 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 a very unique property, um, aesthetically pleasing. They got everything you need there. Um, so I definitely enjoyed myself down there. But you see, the, there was one thing. The resort was nice. It was dope. Everything was great about it. However, the only thing that was kind of weird is, and I guess it's the season. So in the morning, you know, you wake up, go breakfast, bar, beach, whatever. There, they're these huge ass giant grasshoppers that just overtake the 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 area outside of your room. And I'm not talking about like these aren't the grasshoppers from your childhood, from your youths that you was playing with. No, these grasshoppers is like six, seven inches long, and motherfuckers fly. It sounds like an eagle, you know, swooping down when they pull up. Whoosh! The hell is this big ass? Dragon looking dinosaur, bro. Them things was big, um, so those take a while to get used to. Uh, so if you down in Cancun, uh, in the summer months, and I don't know if it's Cancun, Mexico, I don't know what the region is, but uh, yeah, look out for them. Um, you got to run up on them, you got to lean into the to the to the giant grasshoppers, um, you because they can smell fear, they they absolutely know. If you bitch made or not. So don't let, they can smell fear. Don't let the grasshoppers get in your head. If you see it, kick the shit out of it. All right. It might fly on you and it's huge, but never mind that. All right. Lean into the grasshopper. Don't, don't let it, don't let it control you. So that's, that's my advice. If you run into the giant uh, prehistoric grasshoppers down in Mexico. But no, nah, it was, it was real cool, man. Did the uh, swimming with the dolphins, um, which was, which was cool, man. See, so he, so there's, there's one thing that is, that's interesting, nice, convenient, but it's also the finesse play. The resort says, "Hey, you all don't have to pay for excursions. So if you want to go like a little ATV thing, snorkeling, take a little cruise to you know this little island. More on that in a minute." Um, you know, all this other stuff, swim with dolphins, all you have to pay is essentially gratuity, which is 25% of whatever the price would be. Cool. So go do the swim with dolphins things. It's not very much because, you know, paying only 25%. So they drive you around, you know, you go to this little dolphin sanctuary. They show you something about like dolphins in the wild and, you know, the different types of, you know, dolphins that there are, bottlenose and some other type. I only really thought it was one type of dolphin, but, you know, whatever. 
So you go out there, you hop in like this uh, enclosed area. It's the ocean, but they like built like a a dam around it essentially or a reef, whatever the word is. So it's kind of closed off. And, uh, you know, the dolphins are out there. They feeding them the food. They doing tricks. Everything is great. You know, you swim with them. You, you get to, you know, you can kiss the dolphin. It'll push you uh, by your feet, you know, through the water. You know, you pet it. It's, it's, it's not a bad experience. You know, it's not a bad experience. So at the end, you hop out. And, and, and during this whole time, it's people taking pictures of you, right? They got the people with the the nice DSLR cameras taking pictures. They got the HD 4K video camera videoing it. And, you know, they go make you buy the pictures, right, at the end. But, you know, you already know what time it is when you go to these resorts and do these things. It, it's going to be some cost involved. So experience is over. And I get to the end, and they're, like, showing us the video and they've got it on this real nice screen, like giant flat screen TV showing us the video. And they're also showing us like the pictures, the clicking through like pictures they took. Nice pictures. Man, so they're showing us all this shit. This how they 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 trying to warm you up before they drop the price on your ass. Talks through it. It's like, yeah. So for this package, video and pictures, this man told me over $300. American dollars, no exchange rate, 300 American dollars, fuck out of here, man, like, it was cool, but it was, hell no, I feel like even if I was at a place in my life where $300 would be like $3 comparatively, I still wouldn't pay it just out of sheer principle, like, you not finna bust me over the head for $300 for, like, a 20 minute video in like 20 pictures. That's that, that's what we not going to do. So, obviously I'm by that high ass shit. But please make sure you're aware. Learn from me. If you go do the dolphin tour and you want the excuse me, swim with dolphins and you want the pictures, um they tax. So, you know, plan accordingly, <laughs> adjust the budget, tweak the budget a little bit, add an extra 300 for pictures if you really want them. I mean, they were good. They were good enough pictures, but nah, not no, not no three hundred dollar pictures. Not no three hundred for three hundred dollars. I need to be able to take the dolphin with me. Like the dolphin has to come back to the resort. That's a dolphin rental fee for the day. Like I take the dolphin back to the resort and like I ride the shit in the pool in the ocean. Like that's my primary like nautical mode of transportation is a dolphin. If I'm paying three hundred dollars, not just for the pictures. No, can't can't do it. Can't do it. So after the Dolphins, you know, it was cool. They tried to finesse us. It is what it is. So after the Dolphins, you know, took a, uh, like the next day, day after, took a, like, little boat cruise, right? Well, that's how it was sold to us. So, you know, they have the pamphlet. It's got the the catamaran. It's got the nice little white couple. How come, how come wherever you are in the world, um, the tour companies on the brochures and on the websites, how come it's always white couples, like, very thin, you know, regularly, you know, by historical beauty standards, attractive white people, like having fun. You can be in Mexico, India, Africa. White people haven't, like, stop it. Like, put put Mexican people on there. But anyway, it's another story for another day. They're like, oh, yeah, this cruise is nice. It goes to Islam Mujeres. It's this island. 
you know, you can get out there, kick it for the day. You take golf carts around. They sold the shit out of this uh, trip. It was like, it's an all-day thing. It'll pick you up at 1. You'll be back at 9. It's about an hour and a half drive to the dock. So I'm like, all right, cool. That sounds like a good time. You know, get out. You know, I got my drone, got my camera, you know, to take some pictures. You know, expand my horizons. You know, do cultural shit. Man, we get to this dock in Cancun. Now, the dock is fine. It's nice. But they oversold the shit out of this. So I'm thinking it's going to be like maybe five, six people on this little catamaran, couples, you know, trying to do a nice little cute romantic thing. Man, it w- they had us packed on there like a fucking middle passage. It was so many people. Like, we had to sit on the top of the boat. Like I'm not exaggerating. Like, it was, they had you bleacher stadium seating on this catamaran. And you just, all right, now we finna take off. Out. Shocking. Shocking. So we take this trip to the island. And, and I'm, I'm, you know, experience was cool, but I'm low-key like, this was not in the brochure. Like, this, they oversold this. They they oversold it yet undersold it at the exact same time. So we take the, you know, hour or whatever to get over there to the uh to the island, get off the boat, head over, rent the golf cart, right? So the guy was like, Oh yeah, you rent the golf cart. The 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 island is only like four miles. Um I think it's four miles circumference. Something about this four miles, but you know, it was like, you know, it doesn't take very long. You could actually walk to these ruins if you'd like to, these these old Mayan ruins. So like, nah, we'll, we'll rent the golf cart. So I'll rent the golf cart, which was a feat in itself. Rent the golf cart, drive down there, and uh it was not it was not walkable. I'll say that. It was not damn walkable. Um so we in this little golf cart, we headed up there, boom, get to the the little Mayan ruin spot. It's beautiful, I'm not gonna lie, it was like right at sunset. Um, check out my Instagram. I'll be putting up some pictures from that. It was it was really nice. So over there, see that gorgeous dope. On the way back, hit a restaurant. Like, all right, cool. Going to a little very local spot, you know, very, very little English. Order tacos, some chips, guac, burrito, eat it. Everything's fine. Tastes good. Mm. And my taco, chicken, some peppers, um, a little tomato. It was tasting good, right? So get back on the damn Mayflower, all right, to <laughs> take it back to Cancun and then get on this uh, in this little van, head, head back to the resort, do all that. Next day, I wake up. I was, I was, I was hurting. I was hurting the the tech the tacos attacked me um in a very disrespectful way internally. I was hurting. I was out for the count. Like I had I had the tacos with the shenanigans in it. Like it was it was it was a wrap. I ain't gonna go into detail, but you already know what time it is. I was down and out for at least a day and a half. It was rough, man. It was rough. So please, again, a teachable moment here. We are in Mexico, and everybody should probably know this, but not me. I'm trying to be all adventurous, you know. I'm on my, 
on my Bourdain shit, RIP to the God, eating all, all these, you know, new and, and authentic, locally owned, uh, you know, grassroots, if you will, type mom and pot spots. And it came back and it bit me in the, literally bit me in the ass. So I say that to say, chill on the vegetables there. Um, Cause I'm pretty sure it was the vegetables that did it for me. Like the tomatoes or the peppers, like maybe some of the pesticides or lack thereof. I don't know, but it wasn't a great experience. But other than that, you know, I get a trip, you know, a, uh, I say, a, I say a, 8.75 out of 10. The only reason I'm knocking it down a point and a quarter is for the uh, my poor decision on eating those those vegetables that, that had me out. That's the only reason I'm giving it that. Um, but other than that, it was dope. Now, after I recovered, went and headed down to Tulum. Yo. Cancun is nice. Um, you know, the Riviera Maya, um, Playa del Carmen, all that is cool. But Tulum, that's where it's at, man. That's where it's at. Like, it's it's still commercial. Um, it, you know, you don't have the big, like, Marriott, Hilton, Hard Rock, Four Seasons or whatever down there. It's commercial. It's got a hell, it's a hell of Americans and Europeans and shit down there. But the vibe that they have created, like the, the aesthetic wild, like just from everything to, uh, there's a hotel there that you see on Instagram all the time called Azulik. It's a man. It's, you can, it's a clothing store. It's a, it's, it's a museum gallery. It's a bar. It's a restaurant. It's a hotel. It, whatever you want, they got it all the way down to, uh, Casamalca, which is, um, now a hotel, but, you know, 25, 30 years ago, whatever, um, it was Pablo Escobar's little, you know, little retreat. I think it's had like maybe nine rooms at the time. Um, and a the guy there owns it from New York, I was told. And he's, you know, put a bunch of more rooms in it. And now, um, you know, it's, it's a tourist attraction. People stay there. It's around the beach. You know, stupid views. You know, it's the other place. Uh, people take a bunch of Instagram pictures there. And if you ever see one where... People, uh, mostly mostly women do this one where they sit on like this uh, couch that's suspended from um, some chains. It's like kind of an older, like uh, 30s style, like vibe to it. Late 1800s or something like that. It's got like a real old, like colonial style. Um, that's what it is. That's what it is. It's down there at Casamalca at uh, Pablo Escobar's mansion. And the, the, so many vibes down there. Um, so Tulum is definitely, is definitely where it's at. Uh, however, let me give you an, another teachable moment here. If you go to Tulum, please do go to the Mayan ruins. It's really cool to see. It sits right on the water. Views is crazy. Nice pictures. But let me tell you something. Do not take your ass down to those ruins and they expect to do other shit where you trying to, you know, look like anything. If don't don't go down there like I did, like you know with the drip, because you just gonna be dripping the sweat. Like don't do it. It's hot, like it's next level hot down there. It's like I haven't sweated like that. It's don't do it, man. Just don't do it. 
go see the ruins, check it out, support the Mayan people. Because, uh, you know, it's little shops and everything around there. They're selling arts and crafts, souvenirs, all that stuff, uh, bars, little restaurants. Do that. Make sure you go in, check it out. But goddamn, man. Like, just dress like you're going to the gym because you're going to sweat, especially in the summer months. So, you know, late July, August, yeah, that, that, that's probably going to do it. Because I went there and then expected to go to Azulik right after that. The, uh, you know, kind of museum bar gallery I talked about, which is super dope. Check out my Instagram. I got some, um, I got some pictures up from that spot um, on the rooftop, and I'll be putting some more up because it's crazy, um, especially my story. But yeah, man, just uh, be aware. Don't do that. Um, give yourself a day. Come back. Go to dinner out there. Check it out because it's it's really nice. That's where if I go back to that uh, Cancun area, I'm staying in Tulum. Um, definitely, because it's, it's, it's a real dope vibe. It's still, um, it's packed, like I said, but it's, it's, I feel like it's still somewhat, uh, and somewhat is relative, like under the radar. A lot of people hear about it and like visit, but don't, they not, they not fucking with it how people are, are, are in Cancun, right? Or, um, like Cabo or, you know, Cozumel or whatever. Like it's, it's on the way up. It's going to be there, but it's not quite there yet. So go ahead and get to Tulum um, if you can next time you're down in the Cancun area. But anyway, enough about my Mexico trip. It was good. Food was good other than, you know, slight mishap. But, yeah, check it out. But anyway, so today um, I got a really, really important, um, really influential guest that I talked to Uh so I'll talk to Avita from Nomadness. Um, and for those of you who, who are unfamiliar, Nomadness is a travel collective community um, comprised of, I think, about 20,000 people now. I hope I'm not understating that number. Um, I'll, I would Google it, but whatever. But anyway, it's got a lot of people in it. And this community is really diverse, right? Men, women, um, primarily um, people of color. Uh, from all over the world, sharing their different experiences. Um, you know, it started on Facebook. They've got the Instagram group now. They do trips. Um, so talking to her about Audacity Fest, how she got started, what some of her inspirations were, um, I think you'll really enjoy it. And I will be down at uh, Audacity Fest, which is uh, the kind of travel, think of it as the the Coachella of the you know, travel, travel year. It's a festival, got speakers, they got vendors. Uh, it was in San Francisco last year and it'll be in Memphis this year, you know, Memphis, Tennessee. I, uh, I'll be down there. I, I'm doing a little press, got my press pass. So I'm official now. I'll be down there talking to people, networking, rubbing elbows. So if you listen to the podcast, um, and you want to say what's up, please do. Always happy to talk to people. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and, and jump into uh, my conversation with Avita from No Madness. All right, I'm going to holler at y'all a little later. One last thing. My dog barks at around like the 17-minute mark or so. Um, so, eh, you know, what can you do? All right, let's get into it. Well, 
going on, everybody? So back again, and you already know when I have a guest, you know, it's not just anybody. It's somebody that, that adds value to everyone's lives. So with that being said, I have Evita here from No Madness. Evita, what's going on? Everything's going on right now. <laughs> do, do tell. Do tell. Just everything. Summertime is the, it's the thick of all things. Next week we have a No Madness barbecue in Richmond. Okay. Obviously we're in the thick of building out Audacity Fest. I have a trip to Mozambique and East Watini at the end of August. This I'm is sorry. I'm sorry. Can you repeat the last one? East Watini? East, did you use East? Yeah, which is formerly known as Swaziland. They just changed the name recently, so a lot of people aren't familiar with Iswatini. Yeah. I wasn't familiar with Swaziland. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I thought I was yeah. well-versed in the country names. but So where is yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. No, it's just everybody's chilling in the summer, and the summer is actually like it's when everything for nomadic accelerates really heavy. So we're just we're, we're in it right now. Absolutely. I mean, the summer, you really got to get in the thick of it. I mean, these IG posts ain't going to get themselves up there, so. You know, you got to get get with these trips. But. Right. So for everybody, I'm sure a lot of people know who you are and what No Madness is. But for those of those people who, who are new, uh, who don't know, can you kind of explain and walk us through what, what No Madness is and how you came up with the idea? Yeah, it's an international social media group now of 22,000 members around the world. And we're about 78 percent um, African-American female. Um, and so we're an online and very much an offline social media group. We were really the catalyst behind what people know now on social media as the black travel movement. We started eight years ago before there was, you know, any like all this Instagram and all these other things, you know, um, <laughs> we were getting that together and, uh, and really just kind of creating a safe space and a digital home for people that look like me. You know, I'm a three time expat. I lived abroad. I've lived in Thailand, I've lived in Japan, I've lived in France, and for me, it was about finding folks that also had travel as a priority, had possibly lived abroad, that could speak to these types of experiences and create a community and a place for us to come together, have each other's backs, share stories, experiences, tips, all of that. And so um, that started with 100 people, and now, almost eight years later, we're 22,000 around the world. You have definitely been putting in work. I remember when No Madness was kind of becoming a thing. I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. This is definitely a place I can use and, you know, look at the resources whenever I'm going somewhere. And now, all this time later, 22,000 members. So you said you've lived in three different places abroad. So has that all been after No Madness, or is that kind of what, what sparked the, the idea for you? No, they were all before No Madness. Oh. Um, so this was me on my own as a solo backpacker, um, or just traveling as an expat. So this was all beforehand and they kind of were lessons and experiences that led me up to why I needed to create no madness. Dope. So where'd you live? I lived in, uh, Paris, France, Chiang Mai, Thailand, and Niigata, Japan. I love Japan. I did Tokyo two years ago. Yeah. Two years ago. Yeah, I really. I, I could go a back. Months ago, actually. I could. I, I want to go back when it's a little warmer outside. I went in December for my birthday, and it was you know comparable weather to you know like the U.S. in the in the winter. But Tokyo is is really dope. And what I really like about it there is, you know, it, I liken Tokyo to to New York, except <laughs> clean and mm-hmm. not a lot of crime. So actually, nothing like New York, but just how efficient they are and and, and the 
the people and the, like it's just it's a really good vibe there and the food is excellent and you have so much culture and history packed into the city like Tokyo is is a nice vibe. I really like it there. Right. So, what about France? Yeah, what about France? I know of quite a few people that have done the done the Paris thing for living abroad, whether it's just trying to relocate and find somewhere different or work took them there. How did you feel about living in, in Paris? Um, Paris was where everything started for me. Oh, okay. And I think I had a love affair with it, especially for a number of years afterwards. It was the first place that I was an expat. Um, six weeks after I graduated from college, I was there sharing an apartment, a flat, a bed, like everything with one of my best friends from high school. Oh, and I was humble. there doing a digital filmmaking workshop with the New York Film Academy. So I was, I went to school for television and video production, but I didn't know if I wanted to go into TV or film. So I wanted to get some type of film certification on the back end. So I ended up doing the abroad program for about half a summer with the New York Film Academy. And so I was out there in a rigorous schedule, um, living down by like 10 minutes, you know, jobs to the Eiffel Tower, but having to take courses all day, every day and shoot films around the Montmartre section of Paris. And, um, and just kind of getting acclimated to that, you know, I was essentially in school. So we would get there, you know, maybe like nine o'clock in the morning and I would be in courses until five. And then all of us would have to produce films on the weekend. So it was very, very rigorous, um, extremely just like focus driven, um, very film and artistic. And it just opened up so much to me. I was able to take a brief trip while I was there to Amsterdam and kind of get a feel of Amsterdam for my first time and to see other parts of Western Europe and how they were the same, how they were different. And really it was Paris that set the chain reaction off for me wanting to backpack around the world um, and, and even consider living abroad a number of times as I ended up doing. So Paris was really, as far as travel, especially as an adult, me being in charge of myself, for the first time, mm-hmm. um, that was really where everything got got started for me. That's dope. You know, and shout out to Amsterdam. I really like that place, too. I haven't been since I was, like, in high school, but I need to go back as an adult and take in the city. Yeah. I definitely do. But Amsterdam you, you, is cool. You don't need a lot of time there. Oh, but really? Amsterdam is cool. I always say you could do whatever you want to do in Amsterdam in probably, like, three days. <laughs> it's like and Vegas. It's like, after that, it's cool. It's it's just such a, the thing about Amsterdam and it's beautiful and it is very um, different from the rest of Western Europe because you travel around Western Europe a lot and a number of the places can almost start to look alike. But yeah. Amsterdam has its own aesthetic and, um, and, and its own aesthetic, its own vibe, but it's a central, people forget that it's a central uh, travel point for the rest of Western Europe. Absolutely. So if you go to Amsterdam, go to Central Station, I mean, in a couple hours, you can take a train and be in Paris. Or you can go to Belgium, you know, or you can go like it's literally like a train and mass mass transportation epicenter for that whole side of Europe. And so for me, I'm like, yeah, go to Amsterdam, but like dip out also because you never know. There's so many other things that are out there and so many other places that you can see. And I also tell, especially brown, brown and black folks, that if you go to Amsterdam, you need to look up Jennifer Koss. She's a Nomadness Tribe member. But she has a black heritage tour. It's the only black heritage tour in Amsterdam. She has a walking tour, and she also does a canal tour, which is really dope. And you get, like, the black history of Amsterdam that you are not going to find anywhere else. See, that is dope. Everybody's got to hook that up. That is, that is, see, that's the content that the listeners are coming here for right there. I tell them. 
you know, early on, if you want to learn a whole lot, you know, I'm really just here for social travel commentary, but that's exactly what we need. Can you shout her out one more time? Yeah, Jennifer Todd in Amsterdam, and she has, she runs the Black Heritage Tour of Amsterdam. That's dope, because we are everywhere. Like, we are literally everywhere, and it's really good to be able to go to these places and, and not only see us, but learn our history while we're there. Like, I, I really, that was really dope. Um, so I want to touch on something that you talked about a little earlier. So you went to Paris. That was your first kind of adulting abroad experience, right? And you were there, mm-hmm. you know, in film school. So do you bring that film experience into what you do with No Madness? Yeah, and more so. Um, in the middle of pitching a television series, um, I finished the script that's based on my life. I finished a pilot script recently that I'm actually working diligently right now to get into the proper hands. Dope. Congratulations. Um, some of the stories about my life that people don't know. Thank you. And um, also we had two seasons of a web, a travel web series that we had put together called the Nomadness Project um, that I co-executive produced along with Issa Rae. And it's on Issa Rae's YouTube channel. So she's been like a co-creator a mentor, the homie, like all of these things for me for a number of years, like way before Insecure popped off. And we all love Insecure. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so yeah, there's always a media component to the things that we do. And, you know, we're hiring and getting more like um, directors of photography and like videographers, people that are really dope at making um, amazing content abroad are starting to travel with us on trips as well so the we're getting those assets and even local boards of tourism are getting those assets but yeah media television film that whole thing is i'm one of those people who i went to school for something that i actually really did love to do i'm kind of almost an accidental entrepreneur and so if i could somehow fuse those two worlds that's my that's my spot that's where where i aim to be an accidental entrepreneur i like that term so in in talking about that you know, eight years, right? That's, that's not a long time, but it is a long time, right? So you've been grinding with Nomadness, you've been putting it together, you know, it's been growing. It's, it's almost like, you know, I'm assuming it's like your child, right? It it grows and you love to watch it grow. So along that, that timeline, was there one thing or a series of events that kind of let you know, like, oh shit, like this is really going to turn into something? Mm, Um, the first time that we had thought about doing a trip, um, I didn't know that I was going to end up organizing hoop trips with these people. I had no idea. Again, I'm coming from like a solo travel backpacker thing. I had never gone on a group trip and was not interested in curating them. So there was just one night we had a member, Alex, that were, at that time he was the only member that lived in Panama. And he was just really funny and just like had a vibrant personality in the group. So we were like, okay, let's bring the tribe to him. And it was one, like, work night, school night, all of that. And we ended up having um, an idea of, like, hey, let's look for a place. Let's pick a week that works for people. And let's, you know, let's start doing some research. And I just remember dropping the preliminary information at, like, midnight that night, thinking that I was going to wake up in the morning and get back to it. And we were all up until, like, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning because the, the conversation flew so fast. And everybody was all over it. Like they were just like within an hour, we knew who like the 16 people that were going to be on the trip and people were doing screenshots of flights from where they lived. It was just, it took off. And, um, and so that was one of the first, uh, I remember the first meetup that we had, no madness was only three and a half weeks old. 
and we had almost 40 people show up to this meetup, complete strangers, didn't know each oh, other. Wow. And to have that type of turnout, the first go round was like, wait a second, like I'm really tapping into something that these people want. And it's bringing like the best of the best in this demographic really out into the forefront. And travel just happens to be the, the web that we weave together. So there was a lot of that that happened in the earlier years that really just kind of like, moved to me realizing that this is like a real thing. This is a movement. I don't believe in calling yourself a movement. I believe that you get anointed into that spot. <laughs> Somebody else has to call you a movement before you are a movement and you should be identifying yourself as such. Absolutely. And so within the first year, you started to really see a lot of those things happen. And it was like, all right, this is definitely bigger than me. Um, and this is something that I need to pay attention to and, and grow. And so that's when it became a movement. That's dope because a lot of people, they they really think that this black travel thing just started with um, at least the people I run into. Right. Like a lot of them feel like it started with Instagram. Like, oh, when Instagram came up and then, you know, travel noir, like that's really what I feel like. And I mean, to an extent, that's how a lot a lot of people saw a lot of these things. But, you know, social media is a tool. Right. Like people go on, they post, they, you know, talk about different places they've been. But there are people like you, for example, who have really been at this for almost a decade, you know, putting this together for the love of it, right? Like you said, you know, I really was just a solo traveler backpacking, had no interest in a group trip. And now here it is eight years later, and you all have curated a number of group trips, like you people from and, and members all around the world. And now, right, it's culminating into you starting this Audacity Fest. Um, so for the listeners out there that aren't familiar, can you talk about what Audacity Fest is, what it is, all the particulars? Yeah, it's a travel festival for people of color and for our allies. You know, um, I got tired of going, I keynote, I speak a lot at different conferences and events, and I got tired of being one of three black people like kind of sprinkled in the crowd. So mm -hmm. I wanted to flip the script on that almost kind of like create something that was like the antithesis of like the New York Times travel show mm -hmm. and really get into a space where we are the dominant force that is there. Our stories are the ones that people are coming out for. Um, our experiences, our, our assets, our insights, you know? And so audacity was me kind of like yet again, throwing up a middle finger to the industry <laughs> and being like, look, you guys aren't going to create this. So we're going to create it. We'll own it. And this is what we're going to bring forward. And we're going to be the mouthpiece for this demographic in this industry. And so that's what audacity Fest was, is. And we, we started it last year in Oakland and it's moved to Memphis, Tennessee this year, the weekend of September 27th to the 29th. Um, the main festival day is September 28th down at Beale Street Landing, where we have almost 25 panels and workshops that are going to be happening throughout the course of the day. And then for VIP members, um, we have some other events that are sprinkled around downtown Memphis for that Friday and Saturday as well. So, yeah, we, um, it's, it's definitely a thing. It's, it's what I am entrenched in right now in, like, every single way. So, it's our baby. Anybody who wants um, more information can find it at audacityfest.com. That's dope. Like when I saw the audacity fest, cause I, um, I, I saw it somewhere right last year. I can't remember how. And I clicked on, I was like, Oh, okay. Like this is dope. And I didn't realize I, I just skimmed it and I didn't realize that it was nomadist. I thought it was something a little bit different. I was like, okay, this is dope. 
And I got like a, I don't know, a Facebook message or something this year. And it was like, oh, Audacity again, Memphis. And I started looking at it. It's really dope how, how you put that together because, you know, this black travel movement is so big and there are so many people that it's it's really nice to have, you know, a, a conference, like a just an area where you can aggregate all of that talent and all of those experiences and have people come together. Right. And like I said, 25 panels that are all going to be, I'm sure, on, on different things. We have people who are experts in different fields coming together, speaking like it's it's dope and you know the travel industry for people that look like us uh is growing so much right like you see with you know the travel noirs of the world yourself um me other media uh i even was uh looking uh some stuff on delta as a matter of fact and it was talking about like it, it called out specifically um essence fest which i don't remember it actually doing before um, so it's just, you know, big media and, and big corporations, you know, they're really starting to, you know, take a hold of this. And of course that happens like when we start getting, you know, entrenched in it, but you know, that's another conversation for another day, but it's just really dope to see, you know, black people out here doing that. And especially like you're 78% women. Like that is like, that's great. Like a lot of women be black women be out here traveling and it's, it's really dope that you have these spaces for them to come together um, and just share those experiences. Thank you. All right. Well, I know you got to get out of here and do a lot of stuff for uh, Audacity Fest. And can you just remind everybody where they can find you, social media, Audacity Fest, everything like that? Yeah, definitely. Um, For Nomadness Tribe on social media, we're at Nomadness Tribe across all of our social channels. And to apply to be into Nomadness Tribe, the actual group, you can go to nomadnesstv.com and click Join Tribe tab. Just fill in the stuff. And like biweekly, we enter people into the group manually. Um, And then for Audacity Fest, yeah, you can go to audacityfest.com. We're also at Audacity Fest on social media as well for any inquiries, questions, anything that you guys got, and you can see the lineup and what we're working with for this weekend in September. We're excited for it. All right. Dope. Well, I appreciate you coming on and talking to us, Avita. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. I'll holler at y'all later. Oh, okay.